Welcome to the Pathfinder Podcast from Lancer Capital, where we interview subject matter experts to help us in the small business community navigate some of the most difficult business challenges. All right, welcome to episode one of the Pathfinder Podcast with Lancer Capital. Uh, This is Josh Welk. I'm here with Jackson Bennett. Yeah, hey guys, excited to have you here. Yeah, we're uh, we're super excited about this. Uh, this being our first episode, um, think it's going to be think it's going to be exciting uh, content for everybody. And you know, we've been talking about this for a while, and decided that you know this was the right time to launch you know the podcast this year. Our goal with the podcast is to bring folks from our network uh, that that have experience in a wide variety of topics onto the uh, the podcast, interview them and hopefully provide some interesting insight on, on what what may be valuable topics to business owners. Yeah, we put a lot of thought into the uh, guests that we wanted to have on this year. So we're certainly excited to bring you some more content throughout the uh, 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. We've been talking for a while about what we wanted to be episode one and uh, have a whole you know host of topics, but kept coming back to hiring and the challenges around hiring uh, being one of the most critical challenges for small business. We struggle with it and 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 deal with it in every business that we're involved in. And every small business owner and advisor we talk to constantly uh, brings up <clears throat> hiring and finding the right people and building a culture is a constant challenge that they have. So we thought, what better way to uh, kick off the podcast series than bring some folks on to talk about, you know, the challenges of hiring. Um, and I think we have a good good lineup here today. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Bert Francis from ECA Partners, uh, who manages executive recruiting uh, in the lower middle market. Um, and we're excited to get his insights on his process. And we also have Rahul Deshmukh, uh, who is a former CEO of several companies, has experience growing and uh, building out management teams, turning over teams and building culture. And we're really excited to get his insight. So with that, we'll jump right into episode one and uh, hopefully it's going to be valuable. Good afternoon, Bert and Rahul. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. We're we're very excited to to have you guys on board. Um, looking forward to the conversation and gaining some insights from your experience. And uh, certainly, you know, I think that there will be a lot of valuable insights that come out of our conversation. Maybe I'll start by uh, just having you guys introduce yourself. So, Bert, maybe take a few minutes. Just tell us about your background and uh, you know who you work for and, and what you do. Perfect. Thanks, Josh. And uh, do appreciate you having me on today. So uh, I'm Bert Francis, uh, managing director with a firm called ECA Partners. Um, we're a specialized uh, cert and uh, consulting firm. We work uh, almost uh, exclusively with private equity companies and PE backed companies. Um, a little bit about my background. I'm a I'm an engineer by education and the beginning part of my career worked in aerospace manufacturing before getting into some uh, consulting with a, with a firm out of New York City. Um, I was with Oliver Wyman for a few years before joining ECA. So <clears throat> experience with working with private equity, uh, public companies, consulting, uh, industry engineering, 
and uh, and and I'm effectively helping build out our private equity practice with with a uh, ECA partner. So it's uh, a bit about me, and like I said, very uh, very happy to be here today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate you joining us, uh, Rahul. What about you? Hey, Josh. Uh, thank you for having me over. I'm excited to be here with Bert and you. Uh, looking forward to this. Uh, a quick introduction. Uh, you know, born in a family of uh, entrepreneurs in India. I'm basically a chemical engineer by training. Um, after graduation, I spent about eight years working with my family business in the chemical industry on both the back end and the front ends of the business, after which I decided to come to the U.S. to go to business school for my full-time MBA program at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, after my MBA in 2000, I spent about 15 years in leadership and P&L roles with uh, blue chip academy companies like Emerson and Dover Corporation, um, focused on niche manufacturing of engineered or industrial products across a broad uh, base of uh, vertical markets from oil and gas to aerospace and defense and to automotive. Um, it was in 2015 that I transitioned uh, to my roots of being an entrepreneur again and moved into the lower middle market private equity space. Um, I joined Argosy Private Equity as CEO to a portfolio company called FlowDry Technology. Um, after successful transformation of FlowDry, we exited the investment about a year ago to a strategic buyer and um, sometime in the second quarter of 2020, I decided to leave Flow Dry as I decided that I wanted to get back into an operating CEO role for another PE fund. Um, I'm currently in transition, working with the PE fund as a CEO in residence, assisting them in identifying and investing in a platform in the broader lower middle market industrial space. So. That's a little bit about my background. As I said, excited to be here and looking forward to this conversation with uh, Bert and you, Josh. Great. Uh, th thanks for that, guys. And, and likewise, we're, we're excited to have you here. Um, so maybe we'll start just talking a little bit about basic recruiting processes. And, you know, one of the challenges that, you know, we hear a lot is, you know, how do you identify the right candidates? How do you uh, know exactly what you're looking for? um finding talent setting up job descriptions combining all that with culture uh maybe bert we'll start with you and just give us an idea of you know when you're working with a client how do you go about coaching them and figuring out you know what exactly it is they're looking for and trying to identify and find the right people in that role yeah it's a good question um and i think one of the unique things about eca is uh, has to do with the fact that we're we're a team of all pretty much all ex consultants, so we kind of bring the consulting framework to the recruiting process, if, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is we spend a lot of time up front with our clients to, you know, understand the need, understand the cultural dynamic of the role, and you know, the the cliche term, the need behind the need. We really dig into understanding the organization and how this person is going to fit into the organization so it's not just a you know fast food order taker for for 
for pedigree and, and experience, but, but really trying to understand the cultural fit and functional fit. Um, and once we, once we sort of identify that and are aligned well with our clients um, and, and sort of force the whole team to uh, really dig in and, and, and think diligently and critically about the role, we, we then sort of feel well armed to go out and, 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 and find the talent that sort of meets that profile. So that's that's sort of our kind of consulting spin on the on the recruiting process, and it seems to help us really well in both identifying really strong fit, but also moving very rapidly and, and aggressively towards towards the place. Got it, got it. And when you think about you know running that process, um, you know what are sort of best practices that people should be you know, thinking about and, and what I kind of have most in mind is really around job descriptions and being able to define exactly what the role is, uh, where I've seen things kind of fall apart is not having a finely tuned job description that leads to candidates that might not be the right fit. So when you think about that, what are sort of best practices to identify exactly what, what that is and what the critical areas that you're looking for are? Yeah, it's a good it's a good point, you know, identifying and really thinking diligently about what, what, what the company needs rather than filling a cookie cutter hole in the organization. And what I mean by that is, let's say you lose your COO. Um, you don't want to just pull a, 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 a generic COO, JD, job description off the web and plop that out on, you know, on LinkedIn. You, you really... What we encourage our clients to do is think critically about the skills gap that they that they're going to have um, with with that vacancy. And if you think about the company as a system and understanding the skills and competencies that you're going to need to fill in the system, rather than just filling that you know cookie cutter generic uh, placement, it it really does sort of lead to a much stronger alignment in, in, in what you're targeting for, for the Got it. And Rahul, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. I know, you know, company that we, we worked on together and we were involved in that, that you mentioned, um, you know, you made a significant number of executive hires during your time there as, you know, folks uh, either transitioned out of the business or new roles were created. Um, and I know, and one of the things I always respected about your process was your willingness to really wait and not have the sense of urgency around a role lead to, you know, finding people that weren't the right fit. Um, and so I'm really curious as you think about, you know, identifying those roles and how to really stick to, you know, exactly what you're looking for, uh, be helpful to have your insights on that. Yes. Um, Josh, um, you know, I think uh, as Burke mentioned, you know, the the outcome of the process is dictated by the work that we put in on the front end uh, of the process. And, you know, having total clarity around the must-haves uh, versus the good-to-haves is, I think, mission critical. Um, and that is both in terms of experience and competencies. Uh, I mean, there are some things that are not negotiable, uh, which are must-haves, and there are some that are very good to have, um, you know, which we can probably, you know, compromise on. But having said that, you know, as an operator in the lower middle market, um, you know, we, 
it's 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 a very unique situation because um, we are essentially um, these are instances where we are buying family-owned businesses or businesses started by an entrepreneur. You know, these businesses tend to have a very unique culture that have made them successful and are transitioning to a PE fund. And one has to make sure that the new hires, you know, exhibit the values and dovetail uh, very well into the culture that we are trying to build within the business. So, you know, one has to be very deliberate about the fit and the cultural fit. Um, which I think uh, really uh, is, again, something that, uh, you know, we all have to pay attention to. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think you hit the nail on the head around uh, small businesses, entrepreneur, family-founded businesses. Uh, there are unique cultures in every single one of them. <clears throat> and somebody that might have a great track record and be successful in one will not be successful in the other. And, uh you know, it all comes back to culture and how they fit with the people and being able to be flexible and, and identify that and understand it, um, which, which kind of brings up an interesting question. You know, are there anything, you know, any interesting or unique things that you guys do personally, maybe outside the norm uh, to help identify or get a feel for that culture? And I'll share one unique, this is just an anecdote for me, and I have a small team at, at Lancer, but my wife is important in any interview process. Sort of the final round is either going to lunch or dinner. She knows me better than anyone. And what better, you know, kind of outside judge uh, to, to kind of give me a sounding board and say, hey, I think this person's going to fit really well with you or not. And culture is really important in terms of what I'm trying to represent to the market. So that's one unique thing I do. Um, but I'm curious if you guys have any unique things. And, and Bert, maybe I'll start with you uh, on that question. Yeah, sure. Um, like you said, culture is critical and it's something that we try to be very uh, qualitative in, in assessing. You know, it, there's no good or bad. It's just a good fit. <clears throat> and, and identifying a good fit, you know, uh, really takes um, the recruiter's skill in sort of getting behind the, the guard of uh, of the candidate and and we do that a couple ways mainly the first thing that we do is try to be as transparent as possible um, sharing as much as we can about the culture that they would be joining and um, being being you know clear and sort of uh, direct in discussing what that would mean and what what a good fit might be for joining that 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 team um, and once you kind of get them to let their guard down and, and discuss kind of their competencies, interpersonal skills, preferences, and that sort of thing, we sort of, um, you know, peel back the onion enough to, to be able to make a pretty um, well-educated decision about whether it's going to be a good cultural fit. And then from there, it's always really just sort of getting to meet the team and getting as much engagement with leadership from the team prior to joining um, and that's that's really how we uh, aim to to really make a, a solid connection between candidate and, and, and company. And what about you, Raul? You know, there are a couple of things that I think uh, in terms of uh, the process, um, you know, we kind of um, I've found to be very, very effective. You know, first and foremost is I think, um, you know, we we tend to have an interview guide for each interviewer 
to help them focus on interviewing candidates based on competencies um, and also culture. And uh, so while we are, um, you know, looking at competencies, whether functional or otherwise, we are also focusing on the culture conversation. Um, and, um, you know, uh, immediately after we have interviewed the candidate, while uh, thoughts are fresh on our minds, you know, we have a debrief um, where we talk about uh, the candidate, uh, we have a very objective scoring method. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I find that the post-interview team discussion to be extremely valuable. Um, and the focus there is as much about the culture and the values that the candidate demonstrated during the interview process as much as it is about the functional competency. So that's that's one the other is, you know, I personally spend significant amount of time with the candidate uh, trying to assess the fit with the existing team and the culture. Um, and by the time I meet the candidate, you know, the candidate is already vetted by and shortlisted by the recruiter or the HR uh, leader and the broader team. And my focus uh, is really on trying to understand the uh, the underlying motivation of the candidate and their style and their fit with the company values, beliefs, and the culture. Um, and the way I do that is by focusing on the how. Um, you know, I try to peel the onion back and I'm trying to not focus on the accomplishments as much as I'm trying to understand how did they accomplish what they did? How did they achieve the results or the goals? And and the how tells me, you know, a lot about the individual and their value system and their beliefs and their behaviors. And I think um, that's where I tend to focus on. And the third thing that you know, I find valuable as a data point is using, you know, some of these personality tests or behavioral tests, um, um, such as MBTI or DISC or PI or, you know, uh, Caliper. Or, I mean, there are plenty of those, um, uh, you know, but those are essentially data points, right? Um, uh, but they do help triangulate what we, um, you know, our, our hypothesis about the candidate. Got it. That's really helpful. Um, and actually, this conversation sort of dovetails nicely into a point that I wanted to dive into a little bit more uh, with both of you. And it's something that Josh and I have discussed, but, you know, it's really around the inherent differences between, you know, large companies and lower middle market companies that, you know, we deal with. You know, managers coming into a lower middle market company will not have the same sort of resources, you know, they'd have with a larger company, you know, at a large company, you might have 20 people underneath you who could, you know, go out and handle any problems that might come up. But, you know, as we all know, lower middle market companies face a whole different suite of, you know, could face a whole different suite of problems. And there's less people there to sort of handle it. So maybe Bert, I'll start with you, but I want to get your take on sort of the work versus manage mentality and how you can avoid, you know, getting caught up in, you know, someone's re uh, resume and really understand how they'll work in a lower middle market environment and be able to tackle those problems that are unique there. 
Yeah, um, you know, our focus is 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 definitely working with private equity investing in the lower middle market. So we encounter this all the time. You know, we're we're you know we we find somebody that's that's grown up in a Fortune 500 company with a with a giant hierarchy. You know, fans and layers below them. Um, and below, uh, around, and above them, even. And um, something it comes back to the full transparency when we sort of discuss the opportunity and the company. We try to paint that picture as clearly as possible. Hey, you know, you're going to have to be a, a leader and a doer. You're going to have to wear a lot of different hats, depending on what the role is. And what we try to dig into, and in, you know, in our vetting, is can this person prove and show and illustrate where they've rolled up their sleeves and you know okay sure they were the the director of finance but have you ever you know closed the books at the end of the month whatever it might be um you know to really uh, understand their capability and their appetite for um roles in these companies uh, where you're going to have to wear you know several different hats um roll up your sleeves out on the floor in the boardroom whatever it may be so Part of our vetting is to really understand, you know, not just capability, but appetite for those types of environments. Got it. That makes sense. And Rahul, you know, curious to see if you have anything to say um, from your experience, you know, and how you sort of manage those expectations when hiring, uh, you know, and sort of help these individuals really understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, you know, I have myself made the transition from, you know, 15 years with, you know, Fortune 100 companies to a lower middle market PE fund operating company. And uh, I'll tell you that, um, you know, when I made the transition, I was required to do several things which I would have easily delegated to my team at the larger corporations um, that I worked at. Um, but I had to do it either because I did not have, you know, the team members or I had team members that had no prior experience working on some of these initiatives. So the ability to roll up sleeves and be comfortable in the trenches is mission critical for success for anybody in a lower middle market business. Um, you know, and I think as Bird said, you know, most roles that I've I've seen at lower middle market PE funds, um, are, they are manager doers. You know, while you're managing, you know, teams, you are also doing, uh, you know, things in the trenches. So uh, it takes it takes a very very unique culture uh, and style of being an entrepreneur and being collaborative, um, you know, taking on responsibility beyond your job description, you know, the, uh, the willingness and the ability to learn new skills and being flexible and, you know, you know, pivot and, you know, deal with change effectively and be more collaborative. I mean, that's the upshot of uh, working in the lower middle market space and the way I try to you know get to these are are is again focusing on the how during the interview process I mean tell me how did you do this or tell me you know what challenges did you face while you were focused on this initiative and you know how did you you know you know get around it you know I think I think you know, it's the second and the third and the fourth question around a topic 
focus on the how that we really get to understand if this individual um, has the ability to be successful in a, in a lower middle market um, you know, kind of a structure. But remember, I mean, there's no place to hide at, <laughs> at small businesses. Either uh, you have it or you don't have it. Um, you know? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. It's, uh, it's always an interesting topic. And, um, you know, it's something that we try to listen carefully for, you know, when we're talking to folks is even if you're not asking it directly, you tend to hear a lot about the team that they were involved in managing and the, the bigger number of people that they're referencing, you're probably more likely to, you know, get, get someone that's a little bit more comfortable managing and, and less accustomed to doing. And it's, it's not that there's a, a right way or a wrong way. It's just for a lot of small business owners that are trying to identify that person. They're not trying to hire a CFO who then wants to come in and hire a controller and a VP of finance and, you know, three more clerks and, and whatever it may be, you know, they had a budget for one position and that's sometimes tough. And I think it's also, you, you hit the nail on the head about some, some data points. I think you can learn a lot using tools like disc or predictive index or caliber or, uh, you know, other, other things like that to kind of identify inherent personality traits. Um, which allow you to fine tune, you know, sort of the, the interview process. So I think there's some good things out there. Um, you know, one thing, it, it, it's not actually on our list, but I'm curious, I think it's a good topic is just around interviewing. And that, that's always a tough one. As you sit down, people have different interviewing styles. And, you know, I'd like to get maybe just quickly one or two key questions that each of you guys, you know, kind of always fall back to that you view as, as really critical, um, you know, when you're trying to understand a candidate and, and their potential fit, is there something that you kind of, you know, uh, ask and, and what insights it may give you? Bert, I'll start with you on that one. Cool. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, we, we certainly have a few that we like to, um, uh, intertwine one way or another. Um, obviously, uh, just, trying to get an understanding of people's self-awareness is always important to us. And, and we, we, we kind of tackle that one just by being, being casual and, and transparent and talking about their, their perceived strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, you know, whether we ask, whether we ask it just bluntly like that, or if we dig into, you know, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what one of your, recent direct reports might say about your leadership style. Um, and, 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 you know, trying to weed through the chaff on, on people just given the canned responses, you know, oh, my weakness is I work too hard and that sort of thing. You, you, you start to <laughs> start to- We've, all, we've all heard that one before. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think it's interesting to just uh, talk to people about their failures and really, you know, see if they can be self-aware enough to identify areas of, of you know, opportunity to improve um, and, and where they've learned lessons um, and, and how they sort of see themselves. Because I think self-awareness allows us to sort of, you know, run up the meter on whether, you know, the rest of their answers are, are legitimate or if they're just pre pre-canned, you know, interview preparation sort of a thing. So I think that self-awareness is is critical for us to sort of gauge 
the rest of our engagement with uh, with individuals. Yeah, that's great. That's actually a, a really good point and something that I think also kind of circling back to the whole culture conversation around small businesses. I think the highest likelihood of success is somebody with a very high degree of self-awareness because they're going to be able to enter any culture and understand how they're perceived and understand how to adapt their style in that culture to fit. If you don't have that self-awareness, I think it's much more difficult for that person to be successful. So that's really an interesting, uh, interesting insight. Rahul, any, uh, any thoughts on your end on the interview process? You know, I'm in bird. Um, you know, was, uh, you know, hit it on the head when he talked about the self-awareness question. Uh, but the other question I like to ask is also around, you know, uh, you know, talk about, you know, some of your recent failures and, you know, what did you learn from it and, you know, how did you deal with it? Uh, because one of the things in, 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 in the, in the private equity space is that, um, you know, we uh, we do place big bets, and and we pay, and 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 we like to, you know, we operate on smaller and tighter timelines and shorter timelines, and and we have to execute quickly, and we have to fail quickly, and we have to pivot, and and we have to get up, and. Um, you know, change direction, change course, and, you know, we have to persevere. And, you know, the ability to deal with that is, is I think, a core competency that, uh, you know, one may not um, be comfortable with. Uh, so I like to hear about, while I like to talk about successes, I also like to talk about, you know, some of the failures that they have had. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so, you know, that kind of moves into as you talk about the hiring process and the challenges of finding the right culture or building the right culture and having the right team in, in place. Um, you know, sometimes companies are faced with decisions where they have to turn over management teams or somebody may leave, uh, decide that, you know, they want to move on and, and you got to backfill a role. And in a lot of small companies, there there is significant relationships or experience that, you know, is tied to that individual. And, you know, I know, Rahul, for example, you came into a situation where uh, there was a significant number of positions that you had to, you know, fill in, in your role that were important to the organization. And, you know, a, as you think about that and dealing with a number of the people that, you know, may have reported to that individual for a long time, how do you really focus on, you know, is it getting buy-in of those individuals, including them in the interview process? What are you doing to make sure that as you turn over, you know, parts of your team or backfill a position if somebody leaves, that you're getting the right person to fit culturally? Yeah, um, you know, PE funds, um, you know, typically we buy businesses that are at an inflection point. And what got the business successful to this point may not necessarily get them successful to the next level. Um, so in this transition, uh, at this inflection point, we do experience both planned and unplanned turnover of management teams during the transition or change of ownership. 
Um, one thing to also remember is, uh, as a PE fund-owned business, we have, as I mentioned earlier, shorter timelines for value creation as we have to transform uh, businesses and create value rapidly um, as compared to the strategic uh, owners. And we do not have time for dragging our feet on on addressing either open positions or poor performing team members, or even I would say in some cases, um, you know, inappropriate or poor org design structures. Um, so, you know, the first thing I would suggest is, you know, we, you know, spend, you know, the first couple of months really trying to get a solid grasp on the business, um, you know, its dynamics, uh, really understanding the team members and their strengths and, context of the value creation plan or the strategic growth plan. Um, uh, remember, it's also important to respect the culture of the business that, uh, you know, you have acquired and, you know, build on the culture as you start to, you know, to plan turning over management teams. Um, you know, as I have explained earlier, I mean, the PE funds we tend to especially in the in the lower end of the market we tend to buy businesses owned by entrepreneurs and family owned businesses and that have a unique culture and as i often say you know culture is the only competitive advantage a successful company has uh, because i believe that competition can copy your products and processes but can never copy your culture um, now, it is possible in my mind that we enhance the culture with subtle changes to make the transition through the inflection point effective. Um, uh, now, you've got to turn over management with empathy and be sincere and transparent when you do it. Um, you know, Josh, uh, you may remember, um, you know, some of the stories at, uh, at FlowDry, um, you know, one of our key element of our value creation plan was to lean out and re-engineer our, our supply chain. And uh, our supply chain manager position was, uh, you know, we upgraded that to a director position and that reported directly into me as CEO of the business. Uh, you know, we gave that position, you know, a lot of visibility and, um, you know, and that was important to attract the right talent. Uh, which had, you know, great experience in, you know, sourcing strategies, best cost country sourcing, and, you know, just leaning of the supply chain. Um, similarly, you know, one of the other value creation, uh, you know, drivers was to reposition our business as a highly innovative solutions provider. Um, one that could rapidly design, develop, and commercialize new products. And if you remember, we had to hire, you know, a highly, uh, you know, experienced engineering leader that could help our transformation. Um, and this was a hugely successful hire as we developed a lot of new products. We got a lot of IP and helped us, um, you know, capture you know, a good premium on our exit multiple. Um, so, um, you know, you have to go about um, 
turning over management in a very systematic manner and make sure that it is tied to the strategy of the business. Um, you know, you cannot, um, uh, you know, you cannot, uh, you know, rush through this in my mind. So, uh, so that's going to be critical. That's a, it's a really interesting point. And I would say that, um, you know, the, uh, the thing that's, that's most interesting about that situation is really around the strategy of the business. And what, uh, you know, sometimes happens is you, you have people in roles, but it might be a director role and you need a VP or a, you know, C-level position. And it might not mean that anyone is, uh, you know, leaving the business. It's more about building the team and building the resources around. And the number one question, you know, is, what are you trying to accomplish for your business? Where do you want to take it? And how do you align the team and the skill sets around, you know, really kind of creating that value and executing on that plan? And that's not just unique to private equity funds. That's unique to any business owner that's trying to build their team. And sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to find those right people. And uh, but really trying to understand first where the business is going and what everybody in the ownership wants to accomplish with the business and using that to identify exactly what you're trying to, to build. And so Bert, I wanna kind of take this you know, to, to another question and I think it's kind of our, our last question, but it's an important one. Um, you know, not every business owner is selling uh, and they could certainly own a business for a long time and this is useful in building their team for it. Um, but some business owners ultimately have a plan to sell the business and thinking about aligning the management team, the value you get and having a strong management team that's aligned with the plan for the business. Um, you deal a lot with, you know, private equity sponsors and other firms that, you know, are hiring folks with ultimately a plan to maybe sell the business. And how do you think about the importance of, ensuring that that, you know, executive or even VP director level position aligns with the ultimate plan of the ownership group for what they want to accomplish with the business. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely something that you don't want to have slip out in the conversation, you know, after you've shake, you know, shaken hands and everyone's uh, agreeing to move forward. So <laughs> I think this really does come back to aligning on a fully transparent sort of discussion. This, you know, a company and a, and a candidate, it's not just a functional, you know, puzzle piece fit of skills and, and what, you know, tactically needs to get done. It's a, it's a longer systems approach that needs to align, you know, what their near and midterm goals are with the company's near and midterm goals. And, and like you said, you know, some private equity cycles, three to five years, some longer, some shorter. Um, but, you know, we, we aim to make that very clear, um, depending on what the what the plan is with ownership, um, so that, you know, when somebody's coming on board, they know what their near and midterm goals are going to be, whether that's the positioning the company to sell, you know, short while down the road, just growing overall shareholder value, um, whatever it is, the goals, not just tactical, you know, sell this much, you know, build this much revenue, whatever it is. It's truly what is the goal of the company in the near and midterm, um, and how does that align with your skill set? How does that align with your personal timeline? And and once we've kind of cleared the air, make sure that everyone's transparent and understanding there, we tend to avoid those 
um, confusing conversations down the line saying, hey, you know, we didn't understand that they were going to be looking to turn this in, in a matter of a year. So it really does come back to transparency, um, understanding the, the bigger picture, understanding personal goals, understanding the company's goals, and, and making sure you've got a good fit across all those elements. Yeah. No, I, th I think it's a great point. And, and Rahul, maybe we'll just, you know, wrap up with your thoughts on this same topic. I know uh, you were involved in the sale process of a business and had a very, you know, strong qualified management team behind you. Um, and that took a lot of work and effort to get there. And, you know, as you talk to interested buyers, be it, you know, strategic or other financial buyers, um, you know, I'm sure that was viewed as a strong positive in the, in the, the sale process. So, so I'm curious, you know, on your view of level of importance of having a really good team that's aligned with the plans for the business and how it impacts your your value creation at, at a time of sale. So I think uh, there are there are, I mean, just there are so many things we can talk about here. But uh, you know, the first thing is is obviously, uh, you know, it is absolutely important to have a high quality management team when you go to sell the business uh, because. You know, while the buyer may be buying the business, you know, in reality, they are buying into the talent of the management team that will help them deliver on the investment thesis. Uh, you know, PE fund, I mean, they are not operators. They are providers of capital. They need people to manage the business. They need solid leadership teams that can, you know, help uh, deliver on their investment thesis and having continuity of high performing team members on the growth trajectory that they are buying the business uh, on is important for the new buyer this is this is true whether you sell to a private equity buyer or to a strategic buyer uh, so so that's the you know upshot of the whole thing um, the other is that having conversations with the management team about selling the business at the right time um, and you know that's a very interesting um, conversation to be had in terms of um, you know there's no right or wrong answer here. I think um, you know from playing it close to the west to a total open book management uh, or conversation. I think different companies have different um, cultural approaches to, to these issues. Um, in addition you know, to deciding how much information, you know, you also need to decide when to share this information and time it right. Um, so, yeah, in terms of your communication, uh, you know, you want to tie the timing of the sale of the business, in my mind, to a potential investor in terms of the growth of the business. You know, I think, um, you know, you have to position the exit um, you know, and tied to, you know, the future growth of the business or, you know, the fulfillment of a strategic plan um, where, where uh, you know, the people will be critical to designing and executing the plan. Um, so um, if you do not, in my mind, if you do not communicate the exit plans in a proactive way, then this approach is fraught with a lot more downside uh, than having a proactive communication. I think Bert earlier talked about the fact that, you know, we've got to be transparent, but uh, I totally agree with him. 
Um, you know, I mean, there are several downsides to not having transparent uh, transparency in this manner. Um, you know, one is that you're potentially sending them the message that they are not part of the future of the business. And the other is, I think, you know, you as the owner take on a lot of responsibility managing the sale of the business on your own, which can be overwhelming. You need the entire team as you go to exit. So, um, you know, I agree with Bird. I think having transparency, but, ha you know, sharing information at the right time is absolutely critical. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, comment. And, you know, I'll, I'll save this uh, for, for another episode. We're going to have some people on at some point this year just talking about preparing a business for sale. And part of that is, you know, the team. When do you communicate? How do you communicate? How do you potentially align the team, um, you know, to give yourself the best chance for a successful sale of the company? Um, and that's something we're going to dive in. And I think it, you know, people in my mind are the most critical part to that. So it's a really good, uh, it's a really good topic and probably needs its own, you know, session uh, in and of itself to think about, you know, preparing a business for sale. But uh, listen, guys, this, this has been great. Um, Want to be respectful of everybody's time and appreciate uh, both of you coming on board and sharing your insights. Uh, it's always helpful for us. Uh, we are not in the business of hiring people full time. Uh, that's that's what you guys really do is you're building your teams or, you know, consulting and working with companies. And, um, you know, it's really interesting to get your insights on what makes you successful and things to be thinking about. So thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly if we get any questions from anyone, we'll certainly pass them on and, and make sure we get your feedback on any uh, future questions from our listeners. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate the opportunity to, to join you gentlemen uh, discussing today and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. All right. Well, that was, that was a great, uh, great session. Great first episode. Thank you to Rahul and Bert for joining us and spending some time here today to, uh, you know, talk about these interesting topics that I think apply to all of us, regardless of, of what business you're in. Um, we wanted to take a few time, a few minutes here and chat about some of the key takeaways from the episode. Uh, there was a lot of content in there, but you know, we'll, at least summarize what we found to be most interesting and helpful. So the first one I think that kind of jumped out at me was the reality is every situation is unique. Uh, every business owner, every particular company, uh, the role, the, the situation is going to be unique. Uh, as Bert mentioned, he hires for a wide range of clients. It could be corporate uh, companies, it could be private equity backed, it could be family office owned, it could be entrepreneur or founder owned. And you heard some different styles and takeaway and insights based on who the specific owner is. And I think that's something that, you know, everybody has to take into account. Um, really focusing on the key factors, what the, you know, the goals of the company are, and how to identify the right person and understanding your unique situation uh, is critical. Uh, the second point that really jumped out at me was knowing and understanding culture uh, is really imperative in knowing the personality you're looking for. 
every business is unique and especially in the lower middle market and small business community where there's family or founder owned companies, culture is extremely strong. Uh, there's a lot of employee tenure. And when you're bringing in somebody from outside the organization to fill an executive role, it's absolutely imperative to understand really the culture that drives an organization. I think Rahul made an interesting comment that at the end of the day, products can be copied, services can be copied, but culture cannot be copied. And when that's a critical differentiator in your business and what really allows you to succeed in the market, ensuring that whoever you're hiring really fits into that culture is, is a critical aspect. So I think things like interviewing the team that you know somebody's going to manage, understanding what they look for in a manager, understanding you know, the personality that you want to fit, I think is, is really critical. Yeah, Josh, and I think sort of going off of that, you know, another point that I thought was interesting is how they stressed how imperative it was, you know, for you as a founder or as a CEO looking to bring someone on to really understand, you know, your short, medium, long term goals uh, and visions for the business, uh, you know, and sort of make your hiring decisions based off of those goals and, and make sure that you're communicating effectively with that you know, manager that's coming on to make sure that they're aligned with those goals. And, and you know, it might be touchy at times and you have to be sort of careful about how you're having those conversations. But you know, I think that alignment um, is critical really to your success throughout the entire you know, timeline of you being involved with the business from you know, start when this person's coming on to exit. Um, and, you know, along those same lines as well, another interesting point that goes along with it is, is really actively identifying the how um, within these interviews. You know, I think that it's pretty easy to get caught up on, uh, you know, the accomplishments that people may list on their resumes. But, you know, you don't know if that's a team of people that are working on these accomplishments and making them happen. And it's just this person really claiming, uh, you know, what, what happened, the accomplishment um, as a whole. So sort of digging in and, and really focusing on how this candidate got there, how much they contributed, you know, what their role was in, you know, reaching these milestones is, is really critical on, you know, in order to figure out how they'll sort of align themselves with, you know, your short, medium, long-term goals going forward. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think it, it kind of, leads into it to one other thing that jumped out at me uh, was really around the the emotional intelligence aspect of hiring into a you know small business and how that person's going to fit into the culture are they going to be a leader that tries to manage or are they going to be a leader that manages and does and executes themselves and carries you know a wide range of roles and wears quote unquote uh, a number of different hats and I think we talked about and pointed out that the value of focusing on and assessing self-awareness in an interview, um, trying to identify if people have a realistic view of self. Um, you know, sometimes you can confirm that through reference checks, although that can be challenging because most people don't give up references that aren't going to speak highly of them. But really trying to identify, hey, when have you failed in the past? Why did you fail? Um, are they claiming that they failed themselves? Are they blaming the failure on their team or other people? Trying to really dive into how self-aware is this person? How willing to take responsibility are they? 
um, you know, the, the higher level of self-awareness, I think, equates to a higher level of emotional intelligence. And, you know, as we've discussed, the ability to adapt and understand cultural dynamics within a business, the ability to adapt and understand team members um, and, and really assimilate into a culture rather than coming in and being a shock to a system is really, really critical. So, you know, I think those were great points. And, uh, you know, certainly if nothing else can be valuable things to think about when you're uh, talking about interviewing somebody, how do you prep the interview? How do you handle reference checks? Um, and, and try to give yourself the highest level of success. Again, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this if it was a simple topic and an easy to solve problem. Uh, it, it's always going to be a challenge, but with some tools and maybe approaching things certain ways, you can improve your chances of success in a hiring process. Um, so with that said, like I said, I think it was a good episode one and, you know, we're excited to be uh, releasing this to our network and our community of listeners. Uh, we certainly have more to come. If you have any questions or want to get in touch with us on this episode, feel free to email us at podcast at lancercm.com. Again, that's podcast at lancercm.com. And we'll be happy to chat with you directly or discuss any Q&A on future episodes that pop up. Um, and just as a preview of the next uh, episode, we're going to be releasing an episode on mezzanine debt. Uh, what is it? When does it make sense? And why it could be a great financing solution for your business. Uh, we're going to have some folks on that you know know that space and uh, have have been mezzanine lenders for a long time. And uh, I, additionally, I have used mezzanine debt in many deals I've been involved in. And I think it's uh, it's an interesting financing solution and something that could be valuable for people to consider in their business. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and look forward to uh, to hearing from you guys and, and look forward to you getting to hear the next episode. Take care.